Off the Cuff Franchising, episode 13. Are you sure about that? Hi everyone, today's guest is Mark Siebert from the iFranchise Group. And I'm going to do what I did in the last episode, and I'm going to ask you, Mark, Mark, if when you if we met at a party somewhere or at a convention, and we met for the first time, how would you how do you introduce yourself to people? Well, I, I think probably David, I would say that I'm a, a franchise consultant. Um, the iFranchise Group is the uh, largest franchise consulting firm and most experienced franchise consulting firm in the world. Yeah. And we work with both startup and established franchisors to help startups to franchise their business and establish franchisors to franchise their business better. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be the short version. Oh, excellent. Because you've got a lot of experience just reading up all the things you've done online and some of the clients you've worked with and the results you've helped them achieve. What I'm curious about is what you're doing now. Did you picture yourself doing this back when you were, say, three or four years old? When I was how old? When you were a three-year-old. When you were a kid, did you think, one day I'm going to be CEO of my no. franchise? No, I didn't. You know, when, I was, uh, when I was 23 years old, I didn't picture myself doing this. Yeah. So It was... Uh, 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 Good luck that I found myself into this industry, my following this industry. Yeah. So, so what's your journey been on? What? Because do you come from a family of people who've been in business or franchising? No. Uh, what What I really did to get into this business was that uh, when I got out of college, I really wanted to um, work in the consulting field. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do that is I wanted to um, work with a number of different firms and in a number of different industries where uh, I would always be learning something. Yeah. So I went on, I got my MBA, and then after um, doing a few different um, uh, jobs, I, you know, uh, in my early years, I decided you know I, I have to find my way into the consulting business. Hmm. I caught on with a company and I did some consulting and finally decided that um, I would uh, go into business for myself doing it the way that I felt that really should be done. Yeah. Franchising just happened to be the niche that I landed in. Yeah. But uh, it's been such an exciting road because of the fact that the businesses that I meet are in every single industry in the world and every single one of these businesses Usually it's the same things in common in terms of problems that need to be solved and franchising solves them. So it's, you know, they, they're looking to grow faster. They're looking to leverage off of other people's money. They're looking to get highly motivated management. And I've got a solution for them. So it's a real exciting business to be in. Oh, that's really good. So have you always been somebody who gravitates towards solving problems? Have I always been somebody who what? Was always wanting to solve problems. Has that always interested you? I think so, yeah. Um, uh, that's um, been a, uh, I would say that's a integral part of what I do yeah, yeah. and who I am. Well, that's great. Well, with, with that as a bit of context, 
when I reached out to you a while ago uh, for the off the cuff franchising ebook, which you kindly participated in, your your insight. I'm going to read it for the audience. You said there are two keys to success as a franchisor. Said the first key to franchise success is to start with a plan. Franchise success does not happen by accident, and it does not happen because someone adopted a me too strategy. Me too is not a strategy; it is a recipe for disaster. Develop a plan that focuses on differentiating your concept, either at the unit level of the franchise level, or both. And then you said the second key to success as a franchisor is making your franchisees successful. And the key to franchise success is franchisee selection. The hardest job in franchising is saying no to a potential franchisee who is waving a check for thirty-five thousand dollars under your nose, but saying no to the wrong franchisee, or even to the right franchisee in the wrong market, is the single most important job in franchising. So, those are your two insights that came up when I asked you what your most important insight was. Why? What provoked those? Is what was what made that be your first response? Well, I think the you know the first half of that response, where I'm talking about the importance of planning, yeah. is a result of having been in the franchise consulting industry for 30 years, yeah, and dealing with a lot of entrepreneurs, quite frankly. Yeah, entrepreneurs tend to be very, you know, they, they instead of being ready aim fire, they tend to be ready fire aim. Yeah, they're they're very fast to move. They're you know, and they're in my humble opinion, they're the most fun people in the world. Yeah, to be around, they've got a lot of ideas bubbling to the surface. But the problem is that they oftentimes have so many ideas bubbling to the surface, and they have so many things on their plate, so many different things that they're planning to do. Yeah. But a lot of times they don't focus on how they want to accomplish something and they don't spend adequate resources in that focus. So yeah. a lot of times the entrepreneurial nature of somebody like that is that they are a creator and they're always looking to do things new. Yeah. And what they really need to do is put together a plan that says, here is how we're going to accomplish this. Yeah. And sometimes entrepreneurs will jump from where they, you know, from idea to idea rather than focusing on implementing the ideas that they have. Yeah. So I think that the planning stage is real important. When you look at a lot of franchisors, and I just talked to a gentleman earlier today who came out with uh, a franchise offering that he showed to me and I took a very fast look at it without even doing my normal financial analysis and everything else. Mm. And I could just tell by looking at it that his fees were going to be too low Yeah. and he was not going to be able to successfully compete in the marketplace based on the fees. Yeah. And I said to this gentleman whose average sales volume was probably a million dollars. Yeah. I said, you know, if you're off by $1 million mm. I mean, by 1% on your royalty, on a million dollars average unit volume for your franchisees. Mm. What you're ultimately talking about is a $10,000 loss for every franchise that you sell. Yeah. You sell, you know, and franchising is like growth on steroids. Mm. You sell 100 franchises, 
multiply that times a ten thousand dollar loss. Yeah, that's a million dollar loss every single year. Wow. Not just year one, but for the entire length of the contract, which might be ten years. Yeah, a million dollar loss becomes a ten million dollar loss. Yeah, and since that money's not on the bottom line when you value your company, it now might be a a twenty million dollar loss if you sold the company after 10, 10 years. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's very important that you get the numbers right. And yeah. very small mistakes can can lead to very large financial differences. Yeah. So that's the first piece. And then the second piece is really about how do you grow a business? And mm. when it comes to growing a business through a third party channel distribution, the Biggest challenge, and I think you know, a lot of franchisors yeah. come to me, and they their biggest fear is that they're not going to be able to sell franchises. Mm. And what I always tell these guys is, selling franchises is really a pretty simple process if you've got a good concept, mm. if the concept is working. Yeah. If you've got a concept that is working for your franchisees, and your franchisees are out there singing your praises about yeah. how great you are. Yeah. You're not going to have any problem at all in selling those franchises. Mm-hmm. If the franchise, you know, every book on franchising, and I'm sure things that you've written in the past as well, have emphasized the importance of franchisee validation. Yeah. And everybody who tells somebody how to buy a franchise has talked to the ex- existing franchisees. Yeah. Well, if people talk to those existing franchisees and the franchisees say, I'm making more money than I thought possible. My life has turned around dramatically. I'm having a wonderful time, a lot of fun. I'm going to open my second location, and um, I just you know can't wait to get up and get out of bed every morning. Yeah, you're not going to have a hard time selling franchises to anybody who talks to that person. Yeah, regardless whether your fee is at twenty five thousand or fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, your initial fee, um, and of course the ongoing royalties where the real money's at. Yeah, but if on the other hand, if the people that uh, they hear from are saying you know, I, you know, buying this franchise is the worst mistake I ever made. Hmm. I've lost my life savings. I've lost my house. My wife has left me. I've lost my kids and my dog. I'm living in a box underneath the railway station. Yeah. Nobody's going to buy that franchise. It doesn't matter how great your marketing campaigns are, hmm. how great your PR is, how great your, your sales process is. Nobody's ever going to buy that one. Hmm. So the key to success as a franchisor is making your franchisees happy. Yeah. And that really is multiplied tenfold by the fact that by the fact that the internet is out there and the internet is forever. Yeah. And people now have a venue from which they can express their satisfaction or dissatisfaction with the concept and that becomes part of a public record for all to see with a quick Google search. Yeah. So uh, if you have happy franchisees talking about how much money they're making and how successful they are, yeah, you're going to be successful as a franchisor. Yeah. And if you have unsuccessful franchisees, we're talking about how terrible their lives are. Yeah. And how you know um, how difficult things are in the the franchise that they've chosen. Yeah. No matter what you do, you failed as a franchisor. You're not going to sell franchises going forward. Yeah. So it really becomes a it really becomes a self-sustaining success or self-sustaining failure based on on your ability to make the franchisee successful. Yeah. So I tell franchisors, make sure that your number one job is to make your franchisee successful. Yeah. That's the hard part of franchising. If you make them successful, 
you will succeed as franchisor. Yeah, well, it makes so much sense. And also, the way you outlined it, it seems as if the game has to be won or lost before you even start playing in terms of designing your business to be the kind of business that leads to franchisees being successful and happy, where you have to do that at the beginning stage. Well, I think that that's one of the things that we do as a company is we help companies to assess the franchisability of a concept. Yeah. So before we even start working with somebody, typically the first thing we do is we look at that franchisability. Yeah. And if we don't believe a company can be successful or make their franchisees successful, we won't take them out as a client. Uh-huh. So we do it's a we do like a no cost assessment of of franchise companies. Yeah. Where we'll say, you know, tell us about your financial performance, tell us about your systems, tell us about your market. We'll ask them a bunch of questions and when we're we're finished with that, if we think they've got a, a chance of success as franchising, we'll absolutely want to work with them. But if it, if if we think they need to fix things before they franchise, we'll absolutely tell them those things need to be done first. Because at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. You have to have something that you're starting with that works as a franchise. Uh, it's not you can't start with a broken business model and franchise it. It mm. has to be something that works. Yeah. Well, it so- sounds as if you're, in one sense, eating your own dog food and saying no to people where you'd think no, it's not going to work with them, rather than trying to make something work where you can see from the start, no, this isn't going to work. One question, though, is why, because a number of people I've talked to have mentioned this thing about franchisees and franchisee selection being critical. It's just a a theme. I'm wondering from your perspective, if is it an obvious thing that people just ignore because they want to grow quickly? Or why doesn't everyone focus on this as a fundamental, you can't do run a successful franchise without focusing on saying yes to the right ones and no to the wrong ones? That's a great question. You know, I, I think that the um, that one of the things that really can hurt new franchisors is the, um, the cost associated with getting into franchising in the first place. Hmm. Well, in order to do operations manuals and marketing plans and strategic plans, you know, people can spend 50000 bucks on that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or more. You know, I mean, if you really want to grow aggressively, it could be a lot more. Hmm. And then you get the cost of legal documents. Somebody might invest 75000 or more dollars in getting into franchising. Hmm. You know, and, you know, if they're growing aggressively, they might invest a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Once they've invested that kind of money, a lot of times the gut reaction for those folks is to say, I'd like to start recapturing some of my capital. And somebody comes along with a check for $25,000, Yeah. I'd like to be your franchisee. A lot of times, people who are looking to get a return on the amount of money that they've invested yeah. get, um, get focused on the uh, making the sale as opposed to what really should be happening in franchising, which is that it's a it is a mutual qualification process where the franchisor, in an ideal world, world should be saying, "What do we need to do to make this unit successful, and what kind of characteristics does this franchisee need to have?" Yeah. So they a lot of times 
franchisors, instead of focusing on those success criteria, end up focusing on trying to make the sale because of the fact that they're just looking to get a return on their investment. And it's hard to blame people for doing that, but at the same time, that's where you see a lot of your problems as a franchise or, and, and that is in the first several franchises you sell, sometimes you get too aggressive in, in your sales tactics. Mm. Well, you wrote a piece on LinkedIn, which was asking is, which is talking about why, you know, is franchising for everyone is the main theme you're exploring. And I'm wondering if part of it is not just the looking at the business, but maybe even looking at a franchise or if there's an element of, if somebody doesn't have the, the, the fortitude or the stomach for, to handle that pressure of they've just shelled out $50,000 or, or more to get into the game properly. And then they start have to resist the urge to just take everyone who comes to them. Do you think there's a certain, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. No, go on, please. Yeah, I, I was just, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, I, I, I think that the, Part of making a decision about whether franchising is right for you should absolutely be an assessment of you as a prospective franchisor. Mm. So, you know, I, you know, when I look at um, people, and one of the things that I do when I, you know, do my consultations with folks that are thinking about franchising, I mean, I really, you know, once we're done assessing franchisability, the next step is almost always to say, is franchising right for you? Mm. Because it may not be, and you're, you're so right on that. Um, when, when you're talking about a new franchise or they may, they may be um, too inclined to let that pressure get to them, but it could be a lot of other things. They may be the wrong kind of personality type. So it might be that, you know, when I do a, consultation with somebody who's thinking about franchising. Yeah. Beyond, beyond assessing them for their franchisability, what I will always look to do is figure out whether or not franchising is a good fit for them. Yeah. Part of that is going to be, are their goals uh, congruent with a franchise strategy? So uh, if somebody's goals don't far exceed their reach, they may not need franchising. Yeah. There may be alternative strategies that would work for them just as well relative to achieving their business goals. Yeah. Another part of that is exactly what you were talking about, which is their personality. So if, if somebody is a, a real, um, um, you know, my way or the highway, very uh, focused on getting their way and things being done exactly their way all the time. Yeah. Um, with, without treating somebody more like a business partner, and the yeah. lawyers don't use it when I like when I use that word, but yeah. treating somebody like they're on, you know, they're they're a partner in this business with you. Yeah. Um, they may not have the right personality fit for it. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. As a franchisor, you absolutely will enforce your standards. Yeah. But the you know pounding your fist on the table, um, this is why you're doing it, and the reason why is because. It's just not a real great way of managing franchisees. Yeah. You really want to be able to talk to them and as business owners yeah. and people who've invested in your business as opposed to talking to them um, the way that you would speak to an employee or the way that some people would speak to an employee. Yeah. So it, it becomes um, 
it becomes one of those things where you have to make a judgment for yourself as to whether or not you like the role of being a franchisor or do you like the role of mentoring and training people in your business? Do you um, like providing support to people and helping people to be successful? Yeah. Are you uh, inclined to um, work with people and treat people um, in a way that is consistent with um, a more of a partnership type approach? Yeah. Um, and is franchising right for your goals and objectives? That's the big one. Um, some people don't need to franchise because their goals for franchising are, are not their, their goals for their business are um, not that um, far from where their current reality is. Yeah. Other people need to franchise because it's the only way that will reasonably get them to where they want to be yeah. uh, from the standpoint of the future of their business. Yeah. It's interesting listening to you talk, Mark, because what comes to mind with all the different facets that you're looking at and this other things that I want to talk to you about in a minute, like established people in the market, established companies versus emerging markets. But with all of that, it sounds as if you're more like a coach who's able to say to get the team ready for the game and then coach them through the game. Just one question I had is, do you, does your company just help people get established in franchising or do you have long-term ongoing relationships with companies you know, whilst they're running their franchises? Well, we're, um, our entire focus is about a long-term relationship. Yeah. Um, the, at United I Franchise, we work with 98 out of the top 200 franchisors rated by Franchise Times Magazine. Yeah. And while some of those were startups that started working with us, a large part of our business is working with larger established franchise companies. Mm-hmm. Our business model basically involves providing services to franchisors um, at every stage of their growth. Yeah. Uh, when they start up and hopefully having that long-term relationship with them. So as an example, we have a related entity called Top Fire Media. Yeah. Top Fire is a public relations, SEO, SEM, uh, pay-per-click advertising uh, firm yeah. that helps companies to generate leads for their franchise sales and for their franchisees and from a consumer perspective. Yeah. But we have another company called, um, an affiliated company called uh, Franchise Dynamics. Yeah. And, and that company will sell franchises for some of our clients. Yeah. Now, not all of our companies use Topfire and not all of them use Franchise Dynamics and frankly, not all of the companies that they work with have gone through us. Yeah. But, our goal is to be able to provide pretty much all the services that someone would need as a new or as an established franchisor. Yeah. With the exception of legal. That's the one thing we don't do is the legal documents. Yeah. Well, I wanted to just ask you that question so the audience could could know that you are a one-stop shop, in effect, for somebody who wants to go into franchising just from beginning all the way through. Just so that they... Because you're sharing from your own experience... You know, what it takes to be successful um, in franchising, but also that they know that you provide these services so that because somebody might be listening to this podcast right now, they've read through all the documents online, all the articles, blog posts, and they're thinking, where do I start? And where you're an option for where somebody could start. So that's, it, it's not just a, a random plug. I think it's it's useful because sometimes there's too much information and you just need someone to say, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do just for them to have a starting point. 
But and speaking of that, once once you've gotten somebody where you said, okay, they've got a concept, we want to work with them. Now they get into the marketplace. Um, what actually no? Could you walk us through quickly what the process is once you've looked at somebody and said yes, we'd like to partner with them to get them from um, where they are talking to you to into the marketplace. One of your blog posts talked about the different approaches when you are going against established um, companies in the marketplaces versus dealing with emerging marketplaces. Could you talk to us a bit about that? Well, sure. Um, well, from, from the standpoint of our process, normally, as I said, the first step is to assess somebody for their franchisability and assess whether or not franchising is a good fit for them yeah. based on who they are and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Once we've done that, the way that we work with businesses really varies considerably. Mm. But there are some companies that are uh, very good at doing some of the things on their own. Mm. and they don't need as much help from a consultant. There are other companies that would rather just focus on their core business and have everything done through a consultant. Yeah. So so our our approach is really to figure out how we can best work collaboratively with our clients, whether we're doing all the work or whether we're just a sounding board or whether we're taking some role in between where we do some of the work and they do some of the work. Yeah. And the... Uh, as a new franchisor, the, the second point I'd make is that as a new franchisor, the things that you need to do vary based on how aggressively you're looking to grow. Yeah. As an example, if you're looking to sell one or two franchises, maybe all you need is legal documents and an operations manual. Yeah. Some basic strategy. Um, and, you know, you can sell one or two franchises based on people just walking your door, maybe. Yeah. Um, if you're looking to sell um, 20 franchises in your first year. Mm. You know, so, for example, Massage Envy came to us. They sold 190 franchises in their first three years. Wow. They had a very different need when they got started. Yeah. So, they, you know, they were developing marketing plans and brochures and videos and you know, making sure that their website was optimized and doing a lot more things. And so the approach that you take with somebody who's being very aggressive with their growth mm. is going to be very different than the approach you take with somebody who's more conservative. Yeah. And so we we try to customize our involvement with every one of our clients based on what their growth plans are, what their growth needs are, based on what their goals are, yeah. based on what their internal capabilities to do work, and based on the work that they've done to date yeah. that, a lot, that we can leverage off of. Yeah, and so it can be anything from helping them develop just an operations manual, or just develop a marketing plan, um, and a very low level of involvement. Yeah, to doing everything under the kitchen sink, and and you know everything but the kitchen sink, and that would be things like, you know, if we were to work with somebody in a more comprehensive fashion, we would do market research, we would do benchmarking, we would do. Uh, we develop a strategic plan. We develop the franchise structure. We develop yeah. the hiring structure. We do gap analysis. We do financial modeling. Uh, we do sensitivity analysis. We would then do operations manuals, training programs, training videos, online learning management systems, yeah. train the trainer programs. We would do all the things they need from a marketing standpoint, like brochures and marketing plans yeah. and um uh, videos and websites. We train them how to sell franchises. We might do their PR. We might do their sales. So uh, we could have 
a role that encompasses any one of those services or all of those services. So yeah. part of the the thing that we like to do when we're first working with clients is to make sure that we get a good understanding of what it is that um, they are looking to achieve and um, trying to figure out what they need to do in order to achieve that. And yeah. I think that's where some of the art in our business comes in. Uh-huh. Well, that's fascinating to hear, just the, the process. What do you do in all of the, like, what's your day-to-day role in this? Because there's a lot going on there. What What's your role in iFranchise? Um, you know, I, I, I think that my role more than anything else is the needs of our clients. Uh, I've been in this industry for about 30 years now. Yeah. And so what I try to do is figure out how what we do may or may not fit. So the first thing I do typically is figure out whether or not a business is franchisable. Yeah. And we got to, if you go to our, our website at ifranchisegroup.com, there is a, a 12 point franchisability test yeah. that people can take to say, you know, at a high level, am I a franchisable business? We also have a video that we send out to folks uh, on that website that goes into a lot of detail about, is the business franchisable? Yeah. So that's really the first step. Um, you know, is you know, if you know, once people have looked at the video and they've they've taken a look at their business, if they want to, um, uh, if, if they want to uh, pursue franchising, I sit down with them and I say, let's talk about the business model. Let's make sure that we've got something that will work. Yeah. The first step, and then as a second step, let's make sure that the way that it works is going to be something that is appropriate based on what your goals are. Yeah. And then let's develop a plan to get from point A to point Z. Yeah. And so that's the that's really what I do. Yeah. That's well you've you've been in, in the industry for several decades and I saw the story about Massage Envy and that was just really remarkable how fast they grew. One question though, I I don't know if you've got an example you can share, but I wondered if you'd be able to share with the audience in the last thirty years what's one of the big challenges that you've faced and that you've had to overcome just so that, because I'm guessing that it's not been 30 years of clear clear sailing with no challenges. So is there a a story or an example you can share with the audience? You're talking about, uh, just to clarify, are you looking for a challenge that I faced at my company and a big challenge that I faced with a client? Um, I'm, I think just because with, with the work you're doing with the franchisors and it's looking at the challenges that you're helping them overcome, I'm wondering if you as a company have had to face challenges yourself that you've had to overcome. So it's I guess it's either of those, whichever one you feel you're able to share. Well, I, I, you know, I think that um, we've been very fortunate to, to have brought in some very talented people to our team. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen this on our website, but we, you know, we've got 27 consultants with 500 plus years of experience in franchising. Yeah. And so I, I think the biggest challenge that I've had on basis is making sure that I get the best people and making sure that I keep them. Yeah. Uh, I think they've been pretty successful in doing that. Yeah. But Finding great people is always the, the most difficult part. Um, 
you know, I've got um, at my franchise group, you know, people have been the president, CEO, CLO, CEO of um, uh, 24 different companies. Yeah. Uh, so and these guys have quite an impressive resume. Yeah. Finding those people, attracting those people, motivating those people, keeping those people as part of the team. Um, you know, I've had a number of my people that end up leaving to, to go off and become also some other company. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with folks at that level, it's, it's something that you almost have to anticipate that some of these people are, are going to, uh, you know, accept one of these better offers that comes along once in a while. Yeah. But, you know, that's the key. The key to success in, in my business is give, giving good advice and making sure that my clients are successful. Yeah. In order to do that, and so I would say that's sort of the perpetual challenge that we have. And we've been fortunate to keep a lot of our for, for a decade or more. Yeah. Uh, Dave Hood, who's the group, is the former president of Andy Ann's Pretzels. And he's been with us for 15 years. You know, wow. Almost since day one. Um, you know, uh, a number of the folks that we've been with have, you know, been with us for 10 years or more. Finding them and keeping them, that's the, that's the challenge, is finding great people and keeping them. And um, I think that's what sets us apart. Wow. Because what I'm hearing that is it seems that by f- taking on the challenge of how to find and keep great people, that seems to deal with a lot of the other challenges that people face when they don't have the right people in place. Yeah. I, 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 in, it's imperative to get the right people. Yeah. Get the right people on the bus. Um, I can't remember which consultant said that. I read a lot of consulting books. Oh, Jim Jim Collins talked about something like that, I think. Jim Collins, okay. I, I couldn't remember who said that one. Yeah, that was... Uh, I can't remember. I read so many of those books. They sometimes get a mixed up. Yeah. Getting the right people on the bus. I, you know, I couldn't agree with that more uh, from a, from Jim Collins' standpoint on that. Um, you know, it's it's so important that you get the and that's whether that's my business or anybody else's business. Mm. Get the right people in the right places, and, and if somebody's not going to be able to take you to that next level, yeah, then it's in everybody's best interest to to is to move on. And that, that, you know, especially in a consulting business, because as a consulting firm, what you're really selling is you're selling the background and the expertise and the intelligence of the people that you hire. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're, I mean, if you are a, you know, one of these, um, um, Places that, that sort of works based on boilerplate. Yeah. In any business law. It's really about making sure that you customize great solutions for you know, companies that you're working with. Effective. Yeah. And so that's, it's all about people in my industry. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I mean, I think you've just given some really keys for any of the consultants listening in the audience just some real gems that they can use in their own practice and business and the importance of people. Um, I think we've 
reached the end of our time uh, together. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share or and let people where they can know where they can find you online? Um, well, I guess, I guess my final thought would be to, to thank you for the, the time that you've given me here today. Uh, people can find me at www.ifranchisegroup.com and uh, if they are interested, there is an opportunity for them to get a, a free 90-minute educational video on how to franchise. Yeah. And, um, they can get right on the website, and it's um, you know it really is educational. It's not you know there's a promotional part in the beginning and at the end, but um, the you know there's 90 minutes of, of pure educational material in the middle. That I, I think that anybody who's thinking about franchising their business, and frankly, a lot of established franchisors would get good information out of. Yeah, and I can say just from my own experience, I was watching the videos on your YouTube channel. And I learned a lot. There's really a huge focus on providing value. And I'll, I'll put links to that, to the iFranchise Group website and the YouTube channel in the show notes for this episode. So listeners can just click on the links and go see those resources. Well, that's very nice of you, David. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please let me know what you think by posting a written review on iTunes and visiting the website at www.otcfranchising.com. Talk to you soon.